Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated and surprising. I'm your host Steve Mulk and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as We Dig Deeper. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's addition to the Humans of Twitter list, James Schleffel. Hi, how are you going? James, I'm doing very well, thank you so much. I'll start, if I may, by asking you this question. In social settings, how do you introduce yourself? I introduce myself as James. Um, anything else would be weird, I think. But, <laughs> but um, no, if you mean, do I introduce myself as James from The Shovel? Uh, no, I don't, because The Shovel, as, as, a, as a website um, that's you know, essentially text and images, no one knows what I look like. So there wouldn't really be much point. Uh, um, which is kind of nice. It's kind of nice in a way. Is there an uh, advantage to the anonymity that you've had as far as writing for The Shovel, or do people know that, oh, that James guy, he writes things that I disagree with and shake my fist at? Yeah, I think it's changed over time. You know, when it first started, it was definitely an anonymous thing. Um, but I think as it's grown, that's become less important. And, you know, now... Um, you know, my name's out there to, to, to some degree, but I, I don't think people necessarily care at all. Um, I think they either enjoy the stories or they don't. Um, and look, some people probably, you know, dig into it to see, see who's behind it and who's writing stuff. But um, I think for most people, it's, it's just a form of entertainment and, uh, you know, hopefully something to, to think about as well. Absolutely. How long have you been making the shovel dig? Uh, since 2012, so four, four and a half years, um, which, is, nice. which is a while now, yeah. And and in that time, obviously, it's developed for you and, and um, pushed through the burden stage to now simply become, I need to keep this going, I'm enjoying it, people are responding well. Yes. Um, how has that process worked for you? It's been an interesting process because, you know, initially it was – like a lot of these things, it was just a bit of fun. You know, it was just, let's just get these ideas um, mm. on, onto the, the web. I mean, I, at the time, I was writing a little bit for, um, you know, freelancing for, for newspapers, magazines and stuff. And um, I wouldn't say I was writing serious stuff, but it certainly wasn't kind of satirical. It was kind of, you know, slightly tongue-in-cheek stuff. And I, and I just found, I mean, a lot of it was about politics, and I just found that, the more I get into it, the, the more I was drawn towards satire as a way of explaining my thoughts and explaining the, the ridiculousness that was, you know, particularly Australian politics at the time. But, um, but the funny thing was that no one would publish it back then. You know, it just wasn't something that um, news organisations wanted, wanted to publish. You know, the, the more straight opinion article stuff was fine, but the, the more satire, the more satirical stuff, that they didn't want to be anywhere near it really which has changed over time so but but i thought you know back then well look i'm enjoying writing this i want to keep writing this so i'll just i'll just start publishing it myself and and it really struck a chord and i think it, it just it's just kind of taken off since then and now um you know now obviously it's kind of taken on a life of its own mm-hmm. is there a, an article that for you stands out as one that was really uh, that really cut through or really helped put the shovel in the position it's in there was one a few years ago, which it probably doesn't really typify the the type of stuff on the shovel, but it, I think because it had more of a global appeal was, um, I'm not even going to get the headline right, but 
it was it was about a, a, a guy who went to a concert and he was forced to watch the concert with his own eyes because he had forgotten his mobile phone. And it's this wonderful image of everyone at a concert just watching the band through their mobile phones. And there's this one guy who's not. And I just, it just, just felt right. To, you know, this, this idea that someone had come to a concert, everyone around him is, 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 is watching through their device and he's not. And what a bloody tragedy, you know, like how can, how can this, how can you do this? Um, and, and you know he was just missing out, um, but luckily he was able able to go home and, and you know watch a shitty YouTube video of the concert later, so he didn't miss out on the experience. But anyway, so so that that was the article, that was the idea of the article, and that um, that was probably three years ago now, and that really took off and probably probably brought a lot of people to the shovel. Um, but like I said, it's I mean we do some articles that are like that, but but a lot of it's um, you know politics, world news, and stuff as well. Yeah. Is the shovel keeping the lights on for you or have you got a moonlight doing other things to, to help allow for this passion project? No, no I, look, I wish I wish the shovel um, or, or just comedy in general could, could make it would generate a lot more income than it does. But um, no, I, I work as a writer, a copywriter as well. So um, I do both things oh. and um, it's, it's a nice balance between being ridiculous and, and being serious. So you get to spend your days thinking about carpet and then the rest of your days thinking about satire well not not carpet per se but yeah sure Let, let's <laughs> let's use that analogy <laughs> <laughs> was it something uh writing full stop something that you fell into or something that you've always enjoyed and that was out of high school i'm going to write the great australian novel S- sort of but not really like I, I always enjoyed writing but it took me um it took me a little bit of time um it took me a little bit of time uh, look, I, I always enjoyed writing, absolutely, um, but it wasn't something I fell into straight away. And but but I think um, it was something that I always came back to, you know, when when, um, when I wanted to have fun or when I wanted to just do something you know, creatively by myself. Um, writing was something that I always came back to. So, in a sense, it was inevitable I'd end up there. I think. Would would two thousand would would James of Grade Eleven? have said in 2016, I'm going to be copywriting and, and you know, writing content for a satirical website that I'm in charge of? Maybe. I, you know, in year, 11, in year 11, we actually studied satire as a topic. I remember it quite well. And um, it was very different from how you describe satire that The Shovel does. Like we were studying Jonathan Swift and um, Jane Austen. Um, but... It was still satire, and I look back at it now and think, oh, maybe, maybe that's where it sparked my interest. So, so maybe, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe, uh, maybe Year Eleven James would have looked forward and, and saw that. And James is obviously enjoying himself now, speaking about him in the third person. <laughs> that's awful. Can you can you edit that out? No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> um, yes, I am enjoying myself now. And has do you find that it's opened doors? for other projects for you or is it just not a, a, I only have time for the shovel got a, more shovel right for the shovel um, no definitely it has you know and I think when I when I first started out or when it first you know started gaining a bit of traction and I thought about you know what, what do I want to get out of this and um, you know s- certainly not money or fame I don't think but um, you know, one of the things that I thought well you know if I can meet some interesting people through this process um and and perhaps work with them, then you know that's that's a good thing. That that's a, that's a goal to have. And I think 
um, I think that that is something that the trouble has opened up. You know, I've met loads of interesting people, um, comedians, um, writers, and mm. it's, it's it's opened me up to those things that, that perhaps I wouldn't have um, had the opportunity to, to, to do otherwise. Which is great. And, and look, I, I'd offer that the stuff that I've read on The Shovel, very funny. Um, and and I highly recommend people to check it out and, and to, you know, follow The Shovel on Twitter and those sorts of things. It's It's always... It always catches me off guard, and that's what I really dig about it more than anything. Yeah, well, thanks. Um, I, I think, you know, we, we live in such a crazy world and we've got such a wonderfully ridiculous political environment at the moment, both here and, and obviously overseas as well. And I think sometimes you just need to cut through the bullshit a little bit and you need to look mm-hmm. at things in a slightly different way. And there's, there's so many different um, news outlets giving so many different opinions about um, politics and current events, and that's all well and good. But I think sometimes it's nice to have something that cuts through a little bit more and just gets to the truth of the matter in perhaps a humorous way um, very quickly. Mm. Is there a, a bigger a bigger game at play here for you? Is it that I want to do this, um, but the end result is I want to have my own... Uh, John Oliver style TV show, or, or is it no, no? I want a publishing empire. I, I th- there's no grand plans. I, I think as long as it keeps growing and evolving and changing, um, then you know that's a good thing, and it, and it has. You know, it keeps it keeps changing, and there there are new elements to it all the time. So um, I, I certainly don't have some kind of master plan, um, but um, I do hope that it continues to to grow and evolve because I think. You know, satire is, is only one form of, of writing, obviously, but I think it's an important one. I think it'd be great to have the shovel as, as, as a point that people come to, to get a different take on the news um, mm. or some current events, um, as well as, you know, ordinary straight news as well, um, but to have those kind of options um, for, for their news. Sure. Right now, what's your favourite TV or, or animation show that you're really digging oh this is not a right now thing but i, I i'm just thinking of it because I, I literally just watched it the other day and or re-watched it um team america and it's just <laughs> um it, 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 i just forgot how wonderful it is and almost i think i enjoyed it more watching it this time around than when i last watched it a few years ago but um you know such a such a wonderful portrayal of how of the ridiculousness of, of America but but also done in such a fun and funny way um mm. and it's it's kind of got me back into South Park a little bit as well um which of course is not new new or in any way but um but you know I, I just I love the way that those guys just push things to to an extreme in order to make a point and also have a lot of fun at the same time yes a lot of fun, very clearly, because I think podcast time season 20 kicks off in Australia uh, tonight uh, on SBS2. So if people want to see the latest offensive things, um, they'll be on SBS On Demand by the time you hear this. Right. Do you have a favourite South Park episode, one that stands out? I don't think so. I No, no, I don't. I, I'm... I'm... I, I'm not one of those people that, that remembers things. I, I, I can only tell you the, the recent ones I watched. I, I watched the one just recently about um, about Apple and, and, and signing um, yes. signing a life away through the agreement. You know that one? 
um, which yes. it, it, yeah, beautiful, lovely, love it. So, what challenges you, James? What challenges me? I, I think it's it's the the constant news cycle. Even though the shovel is very much a part of it, is challenging as well. Um, so, the there is a bit of pressure, I think, to, to come up with, with new material constantly, which is just the world we live in. Um, there's something quite different, I think, about the olden days when, you know, you'd, you'd maybe write a quarterly magazine or a monthly magazine um, and you had that time to, to think about it and to come up with those ideas, whereas now everything's quite instant, which is both wonderful um, but also challenging at the same time. The, the shovel's only existed uh, as a website, hasn't it? Uh, well, yes. Um, there is a bit of a print um, aspect to it as well. So I've been working with um, Charles Firth um, from The Chaser for the last little while and doing some stuff with The, the Chaser Quarterly, which is um, a quarterly magazine. So I've just just described how that's the olden days world. So they've now gone back into the print medium, which is which is fantastic um, for, for all those reasons that I just described. Um, and the yeah. Chaser Quarterly, um, it's fifth edition now, and um, there are a few editions that, that have heavily featured the shovel. So the, there was the election edition, um, which was mm-hmm. the shovel's take on the uh, 2016 election. And then there's one that's coming up um, in a month or so, which is the shovel annual. So um kind of a review of 2016. So a lot of the material from 2016, but a lot of new material as well, kind of looking back at the year that was. So that's that's a printed 150 or 200-page um, book that you can buy, um, wow. not out in stores just yet. There's a hell of a lot of work in that, dude. There is. Um, yes, it's, <laughs> it's, very, it's very different doing print-based stuff, I can tell you that. There's pros and cons. Um, you certainly have time to to, to check for typos, um, but then at the same time, once it's printed, you can't change those typos. Um, but but also, there, there's more time. You know, you, you can you can develop things over time, um, which you know in the in the internet world, um, at least in the style of the internet that Charles involved with, is where it's where it's responding to, to current events, it's, it's much quicker than that. If if someone was to come to you and say, James, we love what you're doing, we love the shovel, uh, I'm here from News Corp, we want to buy you and annex you into our business, yes or no? <laughs> Are you talking about News Corp specifically or is that just... Um, no, no, in this case, very specifically. Very specifically, right. Um, I think that would be difficult. I, I would want to know why. You know, mm-hmm. like I think... Um, I'd, I'd, I'd certainly want to be convinced that they weren't going to bastardize it, and I'm not sure that I could be convinced of that. Um, so possibly not, but um, who knows? I can't imagine News Corp ever doing that. I, I just I just think that, um, that there'd be too many conflicts. We've got a very big check here, James, and it's a really easy contract for you to sign. Uh, if you were to leave, of course, we understand that that means you couldn't write anything publicly for five years um but look it's a big number look over here big number what, what are we talking um, how, how big are we talking oh let's let's hypothetically say they're going to toss out five hundred thousand bucks oh yeah i, I don't know I, I don't think so like i think i, I think um 
you know, you, you, you spend time creating these things and they become like a, like a little child. And I think it's, yeah. um, I think it's hard to imagine giving that away without at least some sense that it was going to be well looked after. Look at you with your principles. I know, I'm so principled, aren't I? Do they keep you warm at night, James? <laughs> they don't, principles don't put food on the table, do they? But um, they make <laughs> you feel good. They make you feel warm inside. Yes. While the outside part of you is decaying from lack of food, shelter and warmth. Yes, exactly. <laughs> James, what happened the last time your heart was broken? Crikey. These are big questions, aren't they? I think it was probably last weekend when my football team lost. Um, <laughs> um, does that... And they are? I'm an Adelaide Crows fan. I grew up in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Um, so AFL team, the Adelaide Crows, and they lost in the semi-final last weekend, which probably wasn't surprising. It's still heartbreaking. Oh, sure. Yeah. And I find, as I get older, I find sport much more problematic for me as a viewer. I find Mm -hmm. that I take it much more seriously than I should and I enjoy it much less than I should because I don't like losing. I think that's what it comes down to. I think (laughs) – and so you sit there watching a game and – you look back at the end of it if they lost and you think, I, I actually didn't enjoy any of that. I've just spent two hours of my life on a weekend doing something I didn't really enjoy. But yet you do it. Mm. You do it. You just kind of you get addicted to it. It's, it's a weird, weird thing. But had two of those guys out in the field kicked straighter than they did, you could have had a really great two hours. That's the thing. I mean, that's it. I mean, the two hours still would have been shit because I just would have been nervous the whole time. But it all would have been made up for because I would have felt great at the end of it. It's, it. it's a bit like taking drugs, maybe. I don't know. There's, there's some kind of analogy there about you know doing something that's bad for you that sometimes feels good. I'm not sure. Following footy. Yeah. I mean, you're in a bad position anyway, let's be fair. Following the crows, I mean, that's just that's acres of heartache. It is. Following most football teams, I think, is like that. Um there are certainly teams worse off than Adelaide, but um, yes. I don't know. I mean, I've lived in Melbourne for for a long time now, and it's the one thing that you can't shake. You know, it'd be much more practical to not support a team outside of Melbourne, but um, but unfortunately, it's just not possible. You just, as much as you try to do that, it, it doesn't just doesn't work. Surely, living in Melbourne, though, the home of AFL, the spiritual home, at least. Uh, it, it only reinforces for you, you know, that parochialism. I must support Adelaide. I must um, get behind my team and those sorts of things. Like you're in the wrong place if you want to, you know, sort of leave that part of your life behind, surely. I don't think so. Like I, I quite like Melbourne. And I like growing up as a, as a kid in South Australia, there was such, um, well, I was going to say rivalry, but I think it was pretty pretty one way um, <laughs> in that you know, people from Adelaide, people from South Australia just hated Victorians. And But but living here, no, I don't feel that way at all. And um, no, I don't think I don't think I am parochial. I don't think I am parochial. But, I, but, but still, you just, I don't know, it's just the, is it the branding? Is it the colours or something? You just can't, you just get used to it. And you just, you can't draw yourself away from it. Is there a team that you can't stand? Oh. It varies, you know, it varies. I think um, 
I mean, it's a cliche, but Collingwood's annoying, aren't they? Um, but <laughs> it varies from week to week, from year to year. Um, you know, a lot of people think that as an Adelaide supporter, I should hate Port Adelaide, but you know, sometimes I do, but I don't hate them with the passion that perhaps I'm supposed mm. to. And, and I think a lot of Adelaide supporters are like that, actually. I think it's a bit of a, I think it's a bit overblown, the whole Adelaide versus Port Adelaide thing. What's the biggest thing that's ever happened to you? Oh, wow. Um, geez, I don't know. What's the biggest thing that ever happened to me? I, I don't know. I don't know. I've travelled a lot. Is that, is that a big thing? To, that's, that's not something that to happened to me, though. But um, I lived overseas, lived in London for a few years. That was, that was big in, the, in, a, in a formative way. Uh, sure, and but it didn't happen to me. I kind of made it happen, but um, that was good. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. Was the was the time in London um, like the atypical gap year, or was it? I've scored this job, so I'll go and see what I can do out of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I worked over there for a few years, and it was it was good fun. It was. Um, it's it's fun over there because you get to you get to see you get to travel so much more easily um, you know to other parts mm. of the world than you than you do over here in Australia um, so that's good fun um, but you know I, I guess you know moving from Adelaide to Melbourne that's another big thing you know like I think um, just going and doing different things going and moving cities. Um, is, a, is a great thing to do once in a while to, to shake your life up a little bit. Yes. Do you find you need that shaking to keep you on course? Yeah, I think so. I, I think uh, I'm one of those people that, you know, you get, once you start getting too comfortable, I like um, to, to, to say, well, maybe, maybe that's not a good thing, um, to, to shake things up a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I'd agree with that. And in the time that you were overseas, uh, I would imagine you would have got to Europe and those sorts of things. But broadly, what where is your favourite place to travel to? I've been lucky enough to travel to, to South America a bit, actually. And um, Brazil is a wonderful country. And, and also Colombia. Um, travelled through Colombia, uh, how long ago is that? Five, five years ago now. And um, yeah. it's just a fascinating place because it has this reputation still as being incredibly dangerous. But... It's, it's really not dangerous at all. It's changed so much. And it's interesting because I've just been watching um, Narcos, you know, the Netflix series mm-hmm. recently, and um, which is obviously set back in a time when Colombia and particularly Medellin was just the most dangerous place in the world. And it was almost inspiring going there and just seeing how much that place had changed, um, you know, positively changed to, to come from this, situation really not that long ago where it was just awful so dangerous um yeah you know, highest murder rates in the world to, to get to a point where it's actually now quite safe and and you know relatively um well i would say prosperous because there's still a lot of pro- poverty there but it, it, it is it has progressed in in very positive ways and you can you can almost sense um a sense of pride amongst the people there that they've moved on they've got got rid of this um side i mean they haven't totally got rid of it just yet, there's, there's still elements of it, but but essentially mm. they have got got rid of the the awful 
situation that they were in with with those drug lords and the violence that was associated with it and um and it's a wonderful place and and you go to you know Medellin for example and they've got this um this scheme where any new building that's built like a commercial building over a certain size mm. um the company that builds it has to build a statue a piece of public artwork with it that's the law and yeah. it's it's fantastic because there's these sculptures all around the city because of that and it's just kind of the antithesis of of, of the violence that must have been there um you know only what 20 years ago yeah i can imagine some people going crazy and just said sort of, well we need to put some public art here let's that horse let's just do it of that horse yeah, well, and there's this one piece of art which was obviously made before, you know, when um, when the cartels were still, you know, very powerful. And I, I think, if memory says it correctly, it was a sculpture of a dove, so like it was a you know, real symbol of peace. And it yes. actually got it actually got blown up. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it, if it was actually the sculpture itself that was targeted, or whether it was just kind of collateral damage from from just a bomb um, in a public <laughs> yes. place. But it got blown up. But they've kept the blown up sculpture. And I think um, if my memory says it correctly, they've recreated it right next to it with, with a, a replica of it. And so you can see this, this blown up, blown to bits sculpture of a dove. It's quite big. And then next to it, the kind of the new um, one in all its glory. And it's, it's a really nice symbol actually. I can imagine. Was, was Columbia like, I want to go check out Colombia, or was Colombia? I have some work to do in Colombia. No, no, I certainly had, had no work to do in Colombia. It was more just um, a travel um, desire. A lot of people talked very highly about Colombia, and you know, once you work your way past the stereotypes, that's what we're telling the border force people. Yeah, <laughs> um, but once you work, work past the kind of stereotypes of Colombia, um, it's actually. It's actually a wonderful place, um, and it's it's a great place to travel. And it's um, it's not corrupted by tourism too much um, because because it's relatively undiscovered as a tourist destination. Where do you find your peace, James? I find my peace running, actually. <laughs> um, really, a bit of a runner. Yeah, I think that's. I don't run. Huge distances. I'm not one of these people who's training for a marathon and a half marathon, but I love to go for a run. I went for a run this morning, probably only about five k's. But um, a lot of people would find that the opposite of relaxing, wouldn't they? But I find it quite relaxing. Um, not necessarily at the time, but I think once you finish, you feel relaxed in a in a kind of revitalized way. If that makes sense. Yeah, it, it's it's the endorphin rush after exercise, That's isn't exactly it? Exactly what it is. Yeah. So just drop a tablet and you'll be done with it. Get that anyway. <laughs> well, that, that's another way of doing it. But um, but this is much healthier. This is much healthier. Says you. You're not my doctor. You're not my mum. Shut up. <laughs> um, I would I would recommend it. I, I would recommend it in, in small doses. In small doses. Small doses is everything I'm about. What are you going to achieve in the next twelve months? In the next twelve months, I I'm about to head off to the US. Um, Charles, Firth and I are heading to the US for a few weeks to see for ourselves with our own eyes what the hell is going on over there. (laughs) So so if I come back alive, that's going to be an achievement in itself. But I'm looking forward to that. It's always 
been something I've wanted to do, I think, is is travel through the kind of centre of America, which I think is probably what mm. we'll end up doing most of all. Um, because, I, I, you know, I've, I've seen New York, seen California, and, and they're, the, they're the places that you're attracted to because they're wonderful. But because of that, you kind of never find the time when you go on a holiday to the US to, to go to those kind of places in the middle so much. And so I'm looking forward to that. Yep. Um, looking forward to that a lot, to, to see that side of America. Will be amazing in the thick of the presidential election, even debate period by then. Yes, yes. And it'll be getting very, you know, very much the pointy end of the election cycle. And um, it, is, it is scary. It is scary to think, what could happen there? And it's it's kind of looking mm. like a real possibility. Are you going to leverage uh, press media opportunities, like get credentials to be able to get places where normal humans can't? Possibly, possibly. But um, in, in some ways, I think I, I think you know, getting up close with the um, you know with the actual people themselves is is almost better. I think. You know, when I say the people themselves, mm. I mean you know the, the supporters, um, the people. Yeah, we the people. Yes, and and learning about them and what makes them tick and what makes them think that a person like Donald Trump is the right choice for America. Um, so, <sighs> so I think that that's going to be more our take. I think. And will you just be writing about it, or are you going to film it, or what's what's the deal? Both. Yeah. So we are we are filming. And um, and we'll Great. write about it as well. Um, so all sorts of different things, and I think um, it's going to be good fun. And I think just 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 to get a sense of of what's going on over there, and um, you know what what makes these people tick. That that's amazing, James. That is really cool. Yeah, it, it's going to be fun. We haven't worked out where we're going yet. It's you know one of the one of the things about um, the presidential candidates is they don't announce where they're headed very far in advance at all, like literally only two or three days. So it's kind of hard to, it makes it hard to plan a trip, but, um, yes. but, um, but we'll, we'll know, you know, eventually. And look, it's likely that they're going to be spending their time in places like Ohio and Florida and, you know, Virginia and North Carolina, you know, those, those kind of swing states, those important states. So it's probably where we'll, we'll spend our time. Hey James. Yeah. Thank you so much for the chance to speak with you today. Please know the things that you said are very special and you're highly valued, man. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. It's been great to have a chat. Clearly, you are a person who does oft a tweet occasionally. Uh, are there other social accounts or websites that you would want people to know about? Yes, there's this site called Facebook, um, which your <laughs> listeners may have heard of. And you can find Facebook, you say? Yes, and you can find The Shovel on Facebook. And Instagram as well, if you're into that style of social media. How very on-brand and organised. Yes, yes. This is the world we live in. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at the shovel is indeed human.